Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. This show may be bad, but at least we don't have to sit and listen to them just puff on a pipe. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode, uh, we'll answer some more of the, uh, I'll answer some more of the seven experts, uh, seven questions for seven experts, part two. I'll go through some of those for you. Probably going to finish them off. Uh, Depends on how long I ramble. And then my guest is a novice pipe smoker, Matthew Sanchez of uh, San Diego, California. I had a lot of fun getting to meet and, uh, and talk to him. And then we'll have music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, just so that you know, I have nothing to do with the uh, iTunes and uh, Apple podcast players and where all that stuff goes. So let me give you a little behind-the-scenes reminder. Um, I, you know, Kevin and I talk about the show and then I put it together and then I give him a MP3 and then he does all that magic behind the scenes of whatever that hosting and distribution and HTML and uh, gigabits and all that transporting of the show all around. Now, I do know from talking to Kevin over the years that he has nothing to do with when Apple podcasts or all those guys come in. Uh, find the show and the reason is because they don't actually download the show all they do is connect a little uh, attachment to it and say uh, if somebody pushes on this go get the file off of pipesmagazine.com and play it for them that's all they do or if you download from apple podcasts well it's actually just a little backdoor conduit that goes over to uh, pipes magazine and grabs that file and puts it on your device So when there's a problem like there has been the past week with Apple Podcasts and a couple other places, you know what? You need to have a backup plan. Uh, So for those of you that are listening, always have a backup plan. You can go directly to PipesMagazine.com, click on the radio show there, and you can play it directly from the website. Uh, You can even uh, download it onto your smart device that way too because that's an MP3 there, I think, pretty much. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, you can play it directly from there. And there's always uh, Stitcher and Spotify and all those other places. So you might have to look around a little bit. Google Podcasts, you know, it just depends on which one of these services is having the hiccups. And apparently uh, four or five of them hiccuped all at once. And uh, hopefully the hiccup is over or otherwise they're going to have to hold their breath and uh, sit upside down and that'll get rid of the hiccups. Uh, At least that's what I'm told. So there you go. All right. uh, Just have a backup plan and uh, listen to the show on a different way and keep sharing the show out wherever you are all right let's get the show going so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go there's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine missouri meerschaum corn cob pipe an american legend since 1869 it's the coolest smoothest pipe i've ever owned See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right. uh, The previous uh, seven questions for seven experts. Uh, Question number five was, what is the pipe you own that has the most sentimental value, not monetary, and why? All right. So I've I've got a couple. Um, well, I've got more than a couple that, you know, if something happened to him, boy, would I be really, really, really sad. Uh, but let's talk about, um, let, let's talk about the tops. Uh, there are two Disney pipes. One is the, uh, one is the sandblasted Parker that has the little Mickey Mouse inlaid on it. Uh, that is just, you know, one of a kind and boy, I would really be sad if anything happened to that one. I've actually smoked that one on uh, Main Street at Walt Disney World back when they had smoking areas there. Uh, there's another Disney pipe that's a Kamoy's made that I had put up for auction on the JDRF auctions. And uh, 
the winning bidder wanted it to stay with me. So he bid on it and paid for it, and the pipe came back to me, and then I uh, smoked that one a little bit later down the road on at Walt Disney World. So, you know, two pipes there, two different reasons. They'll never, they'll never leave me. Um, the, um, the Meerschaum that I have that was gifted to me from uh, Mike and Mary McNeil with the McClellan logo, uh, you know, not often, uh, I, I don't own many uh, Meerschaums. I think I own three exactly. And uh, that one, because there was only 25 of them made and they wanted me to have that, you know, it holds a special place. It comes out at special times. Uh, and then I guess I would have to say my uh, my two travel pipes, the little Ernie Markle and the little Jody Davis pipe, the two that go everywhere with me. Uh, those pipes are kind of travel buddies and companions and, uh, you know, a lot of memories with them there. So lots and lots of memories. Um, next question is, uh, how does situation affect your pipe and tobacco choice? <laughs> um, outdoor versus indoor morning, evening, on the go or in a chair. All right. Uh, let me, let me do this. Uh, I, I think a lot of you know me well enough to know that, uh, outdoor versus indoor doesn't change what I smoke. Uh, if I'm outdoors, I will, uh, the only time and on the, and this applies to on the go versus in a chair, uh, I have some of the pipes of occasion and those pipes of occasion don't get smoked outdoors and they don't get smoked on the go. They get smoked when they are in a, when I'm in a chair. Uh, that, uh, that McClellan Meerschaum is a perfect example. You know, that's just, uh, you know, that doesn't get smoked outdoors or, you know, while I'm wandering around, uh, the Julius Vez raindrop that, uh, you know, that he gave me, uh, you know, that doesn't get smoked on the go. It gets smoked when it's an occasion and in the chair, uh, the sandblast, those are for outdoors. Those are for at the desk. Those are for on the go. Uh, so that kind of answers two versus two there. Morning versus evening. Yeah, I smoke a pipe in the morning. I smoke a pipe in the afternoon. I smoke a pipe in the evening. The only thing that I may do is uh, you know, during during the seasons, I will hold the heavier tobaccos towards the end of the day. So that is the only change that I will make in indoor ver you know, uh, morning versus evening. Uh, you know, just again, just keep the heavier, the heavier tobaccos towards the end of the day and off I go. Uh, we'll wrap them up cause, uh, this will, this will leave it as a with a nice button on it. Uh, what famous pipe smoker from the past would you like to share a bowl with someone you've never met? Uh, there's, there's several, and I think I talked about it in one of the upcoming episodes or maybe one of the past ones with one of the novices. Uh, I'd love to sit down and smoke a pipe with Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens. I would probably leave, uh, I don't know, a little salty and grumpy because I don't think he might have been a real cheerful person to be around for a bit of time. But what a fascinating person. Uh, in the industry, there's a couple people I would have loved to have had the chance to meet. Uh, Joel Sassini, who founded Sassini Pipes, worked for Alfred Dunhill early on. I would love to sit down and talk to him and find out what all happened and discuss the lawsuit and leaving Dunhill and, you know, just again, more and more and learn more about him and, and creating the, uh, uh, the Sassini eight dots. And, you know, just, I, I just drink in all the history that he has. And I don't think a lot of it's written down or remembered, not, you know, not nearly as much as the history of uh, Dunhill is. Uh, another guy that would be fascinating is Wally Frank. And Wally Frank was really kind of the founder of the mail order pipe and tobacco shop. I uh, had several shops in New York City and was a wheeler dealer, uh, kind of, uh, you know, pre- uh, for those of us that are that have been at this for 20, 30 years, you'll remember the JR cigar catalogs that were hysterical and full of, you know, well, that was kind of the Wally Frank format. Uh, the Wally Frank stores were, you know, just uh, destinations for people in New York City to go and get pipes. Uh, and then his catalog, I'd just love to hear about him and on, on the business side of it. Uh, and then even more, uh, and then again, I'd also like to talk to Herman Lane and hear his stories because they, they've got a kind of parallel Wally Frank and Herman Lane creating the, uh, 
you know, the Lane Tobacco Company and uh, or Lane Limited and all those pipes over the years that they imported and all those great, you know, perfect straight grains and all the chariot and coronations and all that stuff. Yeah. Again, I'd like to just love to sit down and hear those stories. So there's my answers. Uh, hope you enjoyed them. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, Matthew Sanchez. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and visiting with a uh, with a rare breed. A, again, another novice pipe smoker, uh, you know, relatively new to this fun and fascinating hobby of ours. Uh, but on top of that, a uh, California pipe smoker. And no, it's not that other stuff in the pipe, right? It's regular pipe tobacco. Yes, it is. Okay. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Matthew Sanchez. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. This is a pleasure. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, you, uh, so let's get to know you first. Did you grow up in California? When did you grow up? Where And have you grown up yet? And what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in California. Um, I was born in Long Beach and um, spent most of my days there. Went to school, Cal State Long Beach, got my degree. And then once I got my career, found myself down in San Diego County. And that's where my wife and I plan to stay until we're old and probably too old to move out anyway. <laughs> so what did you go to school for? Um, I started out as biology. I've always uh, enjoyed the great outdoors and wanted to learn more about it. But unfortunately, the classes got a little too difficult for me and uh, I had to go with what I knew. So I changed it to criminal justice and uh, graduated with my bachelor's in criminal justice shortly after. And now you are a working sheriff's deputy with, uh, you know, with a gun and a badge and bullets and everything. And all that. Yeah, they give me real bullets and uh, and a real gun, believe it or not. And you're and you're doing better than Barney Fife because you got bullets plural. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> in living color. <laughs> yeah. And the modern the modern deputy. Um yeah. so when did uh, when did pipe smoking come into your life? Um so I guess I don't want to cut into the superhero origin, but like I've always had an interest in pipe smoking, even when I was a young little kid. And um, I remember my mom would always yell at me. I had uh, I always had Legos or a, a GI Joe's leg hanging out of my mouth, like uh, <laughs> like I was preparing to smoke a pipe in my later years. And uh, I remember from disney cartoons especially uh, all the imagery of pipe smoking yeah and uh, uh you know i couldn't tell you what was going on in the cartoon but i always remembered that part where scuttle had this the snarf black and yeah. little mermaid <laughs> yeah. and you know i just i found that so interesting um but it wasn't until my mid-30s that i started smoking a pipe and I don't know if it was like I was too afraid of getting into tobacco because we're so brainwashed about the health repercussions or the dangers of secondhand smoke that yeah. I just kind of put it off until it was like, man, you know, um, 
I'm not doing this because I'm basically too scared to start, but I didn't want to be on my deathbed and regretting never giving it a shot. So <laughs> I just took the plunge and uh, been pipe smoking ever since, and I love it. Did you smoke any other tobacco before that? No, uh, just jumped straight into pipes. I never touched cigarettes or any uh, marijuana um, and never even tried a cigar. Just went went straight for the pipe. All right, so you're down in San Diego County and you start. How do you, how do you get started? Do you just go off to the corner store and pick up something? <laughs> yeah, so down here there's actually a lot of pipe uh, or cigar stores. Um, and there's a lot of tobacchiana stores, but they mainly focus on cigar and glass pipes. <laughs> and so I never really poked my head in there, but like through the windows, you could just see it wasn't what I was looking for. Um, so I just, one day when I was like, okay, let me uh, try to give this a shot, went down to my local tobacco shop and they had like a very small section of um like jars with store name tobaccos. I, I would assume they're either um, Peter Stokeby or some Scandinavian tobacco group brand, and they yeah. just rename it. Um, so I couldn't even really tell you what they are, probably one Q in a jar. <laughs> and they have some Missouri Meerschaums hanging on the wall. And a lot of the other wooden pipes are just cheap, like pear wood or... Um, you know, just not briar pipes. And I think a lot of people purchase those to smoke marijuana. Wait, you're a sheriff's deputy. You don't think so, do you? You might have some proof. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find any Petersons or Savinelli's hanging on the wall in, in any of those shops. No. <laughs> um, now, you know, just as a novice, um, there are uh, very good tobacco shops that sell you know very expensive pipes but they're not easy to find especially yeah. if you if you don't know what you're looking for um so i ended up going into one of these cigar shops basically these head shops and i bought a lighter and a tamper and i found a, a pipe by a company called raw and it's actually a, a pretty heavy wood it's made of bobinga or bubinga, which yeah. is a African wood, and yeah. I guess it's used to make guitars mostly. And so this raw company makes these pipes, and they're they're actually pretty cool. Um, so I bought a raw pipe and uh, an ounce of a tobacco named Mystery. I still don't know what it is. <laughs> it was a mystery. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, say again. I I like that the mystery tobacco is still a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I found myself home alone one day. So I just I have a big piece of property and uh, just went out, sat on a rock and gave pipe smoking a shot. And I remember uh, that initial puff and I blew the smoke out and I was just I was like, man, what? Like I was just like floored by uh, just the. The mystical experience of it all, um, it's hard to describe, just watching the smoke dance in the air around me, and, you know, it was an aromatic, so it had that flavor before it all turned to black ash, and uh, it was just extremely pleasurable, and haven't stopped since. Now, is pipe smoking something that you do on a daily basis, or every couple days? Yeah, I would say it's uh probably two or three times a week mm -hmm. uh so it's it's a rare occasion uh usually when i find myself home alone and i could just you know have a little peace to myself and smoke my pipe and just either you know just reflect on my day or read a book or just you know just to take it easy and unwind i find myself hanging out with my pipe or forget about what some uh, forget about what some unlucky citizen might have left in the back seat of your car that you had to clean out yeah, at work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it is good for that. So uh, my main use for my pipe and the tobacco is to de-stress, and after a long work day, 
or a long work week, um, you know, I just kind of reflect on what happened, what decisions I made. And, you know, a lot of times I'll find that something's been bothering me or like I'll replay an incident in my head over and over. And uh, when I can just sit down and focus on smoking a pipe, it it allows me to kind of like slow my mind and and either, I guess, give myself a little counsel and say, you know what, next time I'll do this better or, you know what, I did all I could and I don't need to stress over this or I don't need to think that anything would have happened differently. And so it's kind of just uh, puts my mind at ease so I can sleep a little better and uh, I can go out into the world and do my job again and know that, you know what, I, I think I'm mentally prepared to handle whatever comes next. Yeah, watch all your troubles go up in smoke. Um, <laughs> Quite literally. Let's get on. Let's get to the seven questions. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. So you survived getting started smoking a pipe. You got over the tongue burn and all that stuff. Uh, right. What was your aha moment that got you past the trial period and maybe just said maybe you know maybe was the point where you said ah, I can do this and I like it. Yeah. So. Uh, around me, there wasn't anybody smoking a pipe. Um, I don't remember ever seeing anybody in real life ever smoking, so I just kind of had to figure it out for myself. I didn't have anybody to go to for advice. Um, so a uh, good tool, I turned to YouTube, mm -hmm. and I found so many pipe smokers on the YT PC or whatever, how they call it, the YouTube pipe community. And um, one in particular uh, YouTuber named Mutton Chop. Piper, yep. and he was all about the breath method, and so once I got that down and stopped trying to draw large mouthfuls of smoke and just kind of just sit with the pipe and breathe and let it let the flavors come to me instead of trying to draw them out. Uh, once I figured out that method, that's when I stopped burning my mouth. I started appreciating the nuances in the flavor. I was able to move away from the aromatics and move into the English blends that are, um, uh, how do you say, uh, not as aggressive on the tongue, um, <laughs> heat-wise. And so once I nailed that breath method, it was just uphill from there. That is a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more with Matthew in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. We all took a breath on our pipes there and visiting with Matthew Sanchez. Uh, Matthew, ready for question number two? Yes, sir. So what tobaccos did you try based on a recommendation that you did not like? <laughs> so uh, early on, especially in the YouTube community, the, uh, they were always talking about Dark Fire, Kentucky, or... Um, Man, what's the other, uh, like H, the McBaron HH, I guess, I guess it's dark fired and yeah. then Kentucky is a different, uh, flavor. So those heavier, darker leaf tobaccos, I remember seeing those and wondering, Hmm, you know, everybody's talking about that barbecued flavor or that smoky <laughs> mesquite tobacco. Um, but little did I know how much 
how strong or, or how much more strong those tobaccos are. And I found myself uh, keeled over, nauseous uh, oh, many no. times. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was. That's when I learned. Wow. So you know, some tobaccos are stronger. Maybe they have more of a nicotine hit. And some tobaccos are more easygoing, like your Cavendish. Uh, so based on those recommendations for the Dark Fired or the Kentucky, uh, yeah, those aren't for the faint of heart or the <laughs> empty stomach. <laughs> or the warm California sun. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, your next question. Uh, how has your preference in pipes changed over time? Like bent versus straight or large, small, smooth, rusticated? Yeah, right. <clears throat> You know, uh, when I first started out, just like my first pipe, it was everything was bent. Um, you know, I wanted the big bowl and a curved stem, and you know that that classic, we'll say Sherlock Holmes look yep. um, of having you know this giant calabash-shaped pipe out of your mouth. So a lot of my early purchases were all bent pipes, and I actually even got my hands on a uh, very nice gourd calabash. And um, my whole collection was bent. But I started to f notice that, you know, some tobaccos are better smoked in a smaller bowl, in a smaller bowl, and some in a larger bowl, bent, uh, bent versus straight. And uh, I started to diversify my collection. And now I, I don't know if I have a preference uh, straight versus bent. Um, I'm still kind of experimenting. Uh, especially with um, the wide range of uh, flavor types or, um, you know, mix mixture of tobacco. So I, I haven't really figured it out yet what my favorite go-to is. But you are starting to look at the fact that, you know, maybe this, this size bowl or that bent works better with this tobacco, so therefore... Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So some... Um, yes. Sometimes the tobacco will dictate what pipe you're going to smoke that day. Right. Yeah. And I also uh, find with ghosting, so I'll I'll usually have dedicated pipes for dedicated tobaccos, and I won't, you know, mix my aromatic pipes with my, you know, English pipes and vice versa. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I remember a couple episodes back you were talking about how you prefer like uh, if it's a Virginia tobacco in a smaller, narrow bowl. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it will change the burn characteristics. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty advanced because you've been at this, what, for only a few years now. Yeah, but I've consumed quite a lot of information, either in podcasts or on YouTube and books. And I just find every aspect of the hobby is just so fascinating. I've just been consuming information like crazy and, and i love putting it into practice as well now when you're pulled over on the side of the road in your uh, in your cruiser there and people think that you're you know got the radar gun out are you you're not watching youtube videos and listening to podcasts <laughs> on pipe smoking are we uh the official answer is no i'm diligent 24 7 while <laughs> while at work yeah always on the lookout absolutely um, all right. Your next, your next question is, um, what was your Holy Grail kind of pipe when you started, and what is your Holy Grail pipe right now? So, I guess it hasn't changed for for either one of those. My Holy Grail has always been that classic Dunhill or Berthier Dunhill. <laughs> now, unfortunately. I was born in 1985, and I've heard that yeah. that's not a good year. Yeah. <laughs> so um, every once in a while, I'll just look on eBay and type in, you know, 1985 Dunhill. And there's always a couple listings, but they're they're just so expensive, and they they usually range from about five to seven hundred dollars, um, and or more, and it's. I don't know if I'm willing to take the plunge on a pipe that might not be the best smoker. Um, and it is a Dunhill, which I don't own any Dunhills. Um, but that's a lot of money for um, something just to say, you know, <laughs> I got one. It was made on my birth year. So, 
yeah. there you have it. That's why I own it. Um, so you may is, don't give up hope. You may find a decent one and at a decent price. It's just going to be a little bit harder and longer to to get there. Right, and it's strange. Like I haven't found a 1985 Dunhill that's an estate that's that's quite affordable they're usually uh like new in box um you know preserved pretty well you know after so many years a lot of them that are posted they're just straight collectible uh pieces and they're usually unsmoked and that's why the price is so high yeah wow well all i can say is in 1985 i was graduating high school um <laughs> little whippersnapper all right, yeah. your next question. What are a few of your favorite guests from past episodes and why? Uh, easy question. So um, all I, I believe that all three of the, the folks that I'm about to mention, they, they've all, they've, they're pretty much reoccurring. Uh, so my first one would be um, Mike and Mary McNeil. Yeah. Um, I just find them so interesting, and they're just like, living history and they're still so sharp that when they're being interviewed they're able to recall so many interesting stories and and they know so much about the industry they're just it's just fascinating to listen to them um and you know you have uh mike is so um different from mary's calm demeanor it, it's just funny <laughs> to listen to those two characters go on uh, and i was always a big fan of the frog morton series and it was interesting i've always had like an infinite an affinity for frogs so mm -hmm. even when i didn't even know what frog morton was i would see the the tins of tobacco online or in the store and i would just inherently just pick them up because of the tin art <laughs> and when mike and mary decided to close their doors and everybody made a big mad scramble for anything mcclelland uh i had a, a whole tote bucket full and i was like man like i <laughs> was totally betting on the right racehorse, you know? So uh, it's funny, I have this huge seller now of McClellan brands, and I haven't, I think I've only ever opened one tin of Frogmorton. And uh, so what I do is every year on the date that I started pipe smoking, which was August 14th, back in 2017. So every August 14th, I'll go to my jar of Frogmorton and just smoke a single bowl, and that's that's been my my anniversary go-to. Oh, cool! So you cel yeah. you celebrate your pipe smoking birthday? Yeah, and uh, and uh, with a nicely aged uh, frog on the log, so it, it's been <laughs> fun. Uh, and then uh, my other two uh, guests that I enjoy. You have uh, Jeff Grasick, mm -hmm. who's a great guy and a fellow San Diegan. Um, I love his advice for asking the expert every episode. Uh, and he's always fun to go to. And uh, my other guest that I loved was uh, Scott Klein from, from Scott Pipes. Yeah. Um, I met him at the uh, West Coast Pipe Show. And I got talking to him. And uh, he sold me a pipe. And I've loved it. It's been one of my go-to's. And I just love his style and his, uh, the way he runs his business. And, uh, you know, he's just like a young pipe smoker, craftsman that, you know, just everything he creates is I'm just in love with it. So I always love hearing from him and, and getting the update. Have you ever driven over to Jeff's house and turned the lights and sirens on out in front just for fun? <laughs> no, you know, I met him once. He was at, also at the... Uh, West Coast Pipe Show, um, and he, he was kind of busy, so I didn't really get to have a long sit-down with him. Um, but he's around here somewhere, but I've never run into him. When we're done, I'll give you his address. Just go over there with the sirens on and the lights on. <laughs> right? Yeah, he yeah, won't. Let me, call, let, me, let me call a couple more deputies over here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but wait, let me make sure I'm there with a video so I can record it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, your your next question. What is your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? So if it's not reflecting on my day, um, I would say either watching a movie or um, reading a book and just having my feet up, just focusing on, uh, you know, 
re- what's going down in the novel or, uh, you know, just enjoying a movie on repeat, just kind of tuning out and not trying to think about the active uh, or uh, not trying to think about pipe smoking itself. And that's just kind of going on in the background while I'm enjoying another form of media. Yeah. And it's also, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to reiterate again for you with your career path. I mean, stress is uh, definitely takes its toll on law enforcement. So anytime you can zone out, you really need to just kind of zone out and, (laughs) and unwind and not worry about anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. A lot of people don't know how to process the stress. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, the, that's kind of how I ended up in pipe smoking. Uh, before pipe smoking, I was uh, finding that I just wasn't right. The stress was building up too much and I didn't know how to relieve it. And I tried fishing and uh, that's kind of stressful, when, you're, especially <laughs> when you're not catching. So... Uh, you know, I went, went to the pipe instead and that works much better. I went fishing once and all I caught was a hangover. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and your, your seventh question is you get to ask me one question, anything you want to know. Yeah, I had, uh, two questions for you actually, uh, two simple questions. The first one was, so what, what is your favorite part? about this podcast and doing the radio show and like what what do you really look forward to every time you turn the mics on and and crank out another episode and then my second question would be um you know you it's it's over 450 episodes now (laughs) like have it has in that span of time have you ever been frustrated or thought that you know what we're gonna have to end the series or I'm going to have to pass the torch because, you know, getting, uh, <laughs> you know, it's getting yeah. to the end here. Have you ever felt like that? The, those are my two questions for you. Yeah. So uh, let me let me answer the second one first. Um, on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a, uh, you know, there are times when. You know, I know who the guest is coming up and I, and I know what the, yeah, I know the basics of the, of the interview at that point because I've got it and I haven't edited it yet, but I sit down in front of a blank slate and this will make more sense when we get to your, when I get to answer your first part, um, I sit down in front of a blank slate and I've got to come up with you know, I got to make sure that pipe parts has some, some topic that we either haven't covered or can dig into deeper or come up with something. Right. Uh, music choices. The, the music choices that I make are actually really important to me. And sometimes that takes time to come up with something. And so there, there's this really daunting moment every week where I sit there with, I've got a guest and now I've got to put in all this other stuff and come up with it and maybe do some research and maybe do some uh, some soul searching or whatever it is. And then there's the joke at the beginning of the show and the one all the way at the end. I've got to come up with that. So every week I sit there and go, you know, have I done enough yet? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, in all honesty, in reality, when... Um, uh, when my when my life started getting really complicated by the FDA regulations coming in, I right. was really feeling burnout from spending 75-80% of my time reading FDA regulations and reading legal responses and having to contribute on that stuff. And the last thing I wanted to do right. is sit down and talk about pipes and tobacco and try to be cheerful about it. So, right. So that was, was looking it. pretty bleak there for a while. Uh, you know, it's the world. The world is bleak. Uh, I mean, look, you're you're a sheriff's deputy, and you you go out every day, and you wear a bulletproof vest underneath all your clothes, and that's just perfectly fine for that warm weather in San Diego that you get all the time. Right. Um. So that I, I mean, that's it in reality. But what keeps it going is the most interesting part of the podcast for me is 
the it, it's not so much the experts it's not so much the uh the hobby the industry insiders it's getting to know the new people uh, awesome getting to meet and talk to other pipe smokers and that really keeps me uh keeps me going you know we've just we've recently done two series of of seven questions for seven experts over the past year or so. I know those guys really well. Uh, Very few of those questions, uh, very few of their answers really surprised me. Uh, It's getting to know the really fascinating new, you know, the, the really fascinating other people in the hobby. And the, uh, the, the perfect example that I give of that is, when I go to a pipe show, yeah, I remember buying a pipe and I remember where I got, you know, some tins of tobaccos and stuff. And I remember some of the purchases, but in reality, what always happens is at the end of the show, I remember the conversations I had with people. I remember the, the new people that I met, the old friends that I got to see. So for me, it's, it is absolutely all about the people and that keeps me going for, you know, more and more episodes because more and more episodes, I get to talk to the people. And I get to communicate with people there. uh, There are some folks that I have never met in person, but we have email exchanges about the shows afterwards. And it's, you know, it's great because I've gotten to know these people through emails. So uh, (laughs) there's your, there's your backwards answer. Like everything I do, I do it in reverse (laughs) twice sometimes. So yeah, it was a good, that's a good answer though. Makes me feel good. Yeah, it's kind of like your job. You know, your job's not just how many bullets did you shoot and how fast did you go. It's the people that you meet. <laughs> right. And, so, and believe it or not, <laughs> we call it the 1%, you know, yeah. the uh, or the 3%. I'm sorry. The With all the public interactions, there's only 3% that are negative. But unfortunately, those are the ones you remember the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's driving through a neighborhood and the little kids all stop and wave at you. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Or the cat that you climbed up a tree to get. Oh, that's the fire department. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, we don't. I'm not climbing anything. Yeah, Matthew, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. Uh, no right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sounds good. Yep, ready. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe? I would say the one that has most sentimental value to me, which is a basic, uh, freehand Missouri Meerschaum. Uh, it was the one that I received as a gift for my first Father's Day recently, Ooh. and that's been my go-to. Yeah, so a lot of sentimental value on a very inexpensive pipe. Oh, that value that that pipe is a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite tobacco? I've been loving these uh, uh, pressed or rolled Virginia blends. Uh, let me see here. It's. Uh, Peter Stokeby's Luxury Twist Flake mm-hmm. or the McBaron, McBaron Dark Twist, um, especially with a little age on them since I don't smoke them too fast. Uh, these tins that I got that I jarred up, they're going on two, three years now, and I'm finding every time I revisit blends, they're getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I'm going to have to go with a movie. Uh just sitting back watching the movie, you know, tuning everything out. That's got to be the best for me. Don't even have to turn the pages. Yeah, right. Um, what is your favorite drink? Because I jumped around there. See, I'm not perfect after all these years. <laughs> uh, favorite drink, I would say, is a hot or warm ginger tea. Um, I, I That's always been my go-to. And uh, I just actually realized, too, just like with sushi... Uh, it's a palate cleanser. So when I'm mm-hmm. drinking my warm ginger tea with the pipe, it's actually, uh, you know, adding to the experience. Only a Californian would say warm ginger tea. <laughs> so true Californian there. Uh, finally, a favorite pipe smoking related memory. Um, all right. So I was down at, uh, I'll shout out to Liberty Tobacco off of Claremont Mesa down here in San Diego, which is yeah. a very nice pipe store, uh, tobacco store. And I was down there with a bunch of my off-duty partners, 
just sitting around and they wanted they're like well what is this guy doing over here he's like smoking a pipe all the time so maybe <laughs> we want we want to give it a shot too so we were all gathered around and none of i think out of everybody i knew the most and i knew very little <laughs> and my favorite memory is I got some tobacco, loaded up the pipe, and lit it, and I was telling him, this is how you do this and that, whatever. Uh, but right when it was starting to go out, I was saying, well, you know, and you have this pipe tool, this tamper, and you just kind of smush the tobacco down a little bit. And they were all into it watching me, and I must have hit that ember perfectly. And it was like I relit the pipe with the piper. <laughs> and you would have thought I pulled a rabbit out of my hat. Everybody was just floored and so uh it was like it was magic quite literally and i didn't do it on purpose but man that was a good bowl and that was some good times with my buddies now the real question how many of those guys are still coming in or actually smoking a pipe uh out of those probably only one i would say from that group so that day made one new pipe smoker Hey, if we can get one a year, that's a huge increase. So just keep working <laughs> on them. Uh, be yeah. Before we end this, thank you very much for doing the job that you do. And you guys don't often get thanks and respect, but you got mine. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Be safe. And uh, thanks for coming on the show and doing this. Yeah, it was awesome. What, a, what an experience. Uh, and I can't wait to uh, meet you in November. I'm looking forward to west coast pipe show in vegas oh god i can't do, wait. do you have any plans on going to that one absolutely i mean unless if it doesn't uh, get canceled and unless i'm in a coma or a coffin or it gets canceled yeah i'll be there <laughs> awesome i can't wait matthew sanchez thanks again all right thank you sir we'll be back in just a minute being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. You know what? I forgot to ask Matthew if he pulls over a pipe smoker for, you know, a traffic thing. I wonder if he gives him a break. So might be a little advantage there if you uh, smoke a pipe and you're in uh, Southern California. All right. So uh, this week for music, we are going to uh, classical music. And... Uh, brought to my attention by my friend Dan Locklear is a uh, musician named William Primrose. And uh, William Primrose played the viola and uh, was kind of the first viola star in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, he played with several notable orchestras, including the, uh, the original NBC Orchestra. So that's back in the 1930s. He did some stuff on his own in a quartet. Anyway, uh, also a pipe smoker. And here is uh, William Primrose and uh, with orchestra playing a Fritz Chrysler Liebsled, uh, which I hope I pronounced that correctly. But I, I, I just want to say uh, strings are not normally my thing. I'm more of a uh, winds or woodwinds kind of guy. But uh, just give this a listen.
primrose pipe smoker on viola and also has a star on the hollywood walk of fame he was given one in 1960 and uh boy is it in a good spot it's right in front of what used to be the old chinese theater kind of between the chinese theater and uh, the dolby theater so right in the center of hollywood you've got mail You've got mail. You've got mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or you can go on to PipesMagazine.com and leave a comment right under the show there, right where you can listen to it all the time from without any issues. Uh, Or you can send me a Facebook or Instagram message, um, although sometimes I miss those or don't pay too much attention or close attention to those. But I get to him eventually. Uh, so last week, Newbroom says, uh, nice conversation. It's interesting to me as a relative newbie how other new smokers have evolved. Is the pipe? Is it the pipe, the tobacco, or both initially? Yeah. Which one is it? Was it a social introduction or an independent experiment? The enjoyment of pipe smoking is both a pleasure and a respite. Uh, your perspectives and opinions are appreciated. Your suggestions and rec- and recommendations are at least considered. <laughs> then he crossed out ridiculed and laughed at. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Uh, thanks for your efforts to enlighten and share your experiences. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying these uh, these new the newbies. Uh, and then Casey Ghostwrites, guest was a reasonably young man who got into pipe smoking in the last few years, was fortunate enough to get steered to good tobaccos early in the cycle, and made some good choices with them. Fairly impressive. On your rant, you clearly overlooked Mike's back surgery that he had. This was not a ho-hum event. Back surgery is a rather serious thing. That coupled with the age of the people involved, it was clear that McClellan was going to be closing before long. Uh, You knew, Brian, better than most people that Mike was never going to pass his recipes on to someone else. Never, never, effing, never going to happen. On uh, numerous threads on this site, I kept telling people to buy all the McClellans that they could afford to buy. So people had subtle warnings and they just ignored it. The worst thing about the criticism was that John David and the empty suit he works with kept saying... They are the nicest people out of one side of their mouths and then saying those rotten dogs uh, out of the other side. Uh, when you're going to blast somebody, uh, when you're going to blast somebody, you man up and do it straightforward fashion. You need to grow up and recognize when a business does something out of the ordinary that is, uh, that is something up. Uh, and the next time a vendor or of a product gives me a warning of their demise, we will be, will be the first time it's ever happened. The only thing I will concede on this issue is that their farewell message should have been worded differently. And the only thing that I will say is there's nothing wrong, anything, anything there with what Dan wrote. Uh, all I said was that, you know, they, uh, that uh, from uh, the country squire, from John David, and from Russ as a as a consumer, you know, their their uh, their their point of view is valid. That's it. Uh, and then Hockey four five four wrote very odd. I thought the show was canceled for Memorial Day weekend, as this show didn't update on Tuesday like it normally does in my Apple Podcast app. I've been eagerly awaiting the show this week. Still no update. Is anyone else having this issue with Apple Podcasts? I don't want to have to get Spotify or any other podcast app as it just works in my Apple ecosystem. Glad the show is still going on. I'll have to see why my app is not staying current with your show. Yeah, well, Kevin's on that. And, and, and again, I think I covered it fairly significantly. Uh, the one thing I will say is that we will never skip a week. Never, 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 never. If we skip a week, that'll be the first one we skip, and it'll be the end of the show. So we will uh, never skip a week. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on pipesmagazine.com, or, uh, you know, send them up by smoke signals to me. All right, rant time's coming up next.
This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. is a story of if you ask experts for their opinion and then you don't do it well you're dumb and some people were dumb a couple months back there was an auction a big auction of about 400 plus estate pipes it was a collector that had passed away and his and the estate buyers somehow got a hold of these from the family and they uh, they auctioned them off through a place called Taurus Auctions. Now I don't know anybody about the I don't know anything about who the buyers were. I don't know if it was the auction house itself. I don't know anything about it. All I know is that this auction was coming up. I saw the ads on PipesMagazine.com, and uh, you know what? So I I looked at some of the auctions. And I was like, well, dang, I'm interested in this, but. But I do know a couple of the experts that they got a hold of to ask how to sell these. And every one of them said, every expert said, at least told me that I'd talked to, uh, you know, they gave the opinion that they shouldn't sell them all at once and that they really should send them off to one of the online eBay guides and have them auction them off slowly over a period of a year. And the reason is, is because nobody wants 60 plus Todd Johnson pipes all at once. That's right. You heard me. 60 plus Todd Johnson pipes and Todd's pipes start out brand new. I don't know, $800, $1,000 for a sandblast and go way up from there. Nobody wants 60 of these. I mean, this was a high-end collector. Uh, there was uh, 40 Jody Davis pipes, of which I now own a few of those. And uh, nobody wants that many all at once. Nothing personal, Jody, but, you know, that's just too many to flood the market all at once. So here's what happened. Prices went lower than they should have had they waited and trickled them out over the years. And now you're seeing that some of the resellers on eBay actually bought those pipes and you're seeing those pipes go up for sale again. So somebody left some money on the table. Uh, the only thing that I can hope is for the family, uh, you know, that they didn't get screwed too bad and get sold low on or, you know, this auction house didn't take advantage of them. But, uh, yeah, if you ask experts for their opinion and they give it, you really should listen to it. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. iTunes ratings and reviews are appreciated once iTunes figures out how to update. And uh, thank you very much to Matthew for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy second thought maybe it would be better if it was just that guy puffing and breathing and then some nice music <laughs>